Welcome. Friday, January 29th edition of the Clemson Dubcast. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing over a lot of the happenings at Tennessee this week. <laughs> Not necessarily the hire of Josh Heupel, but the reaction to the hire of Josh Heupel. We're going to get into that uh, with Mickey Plyler coming up. My take on the state of Clemson basketball as they head to Duke tomorrow. Coming up on TigerIllustrated.com later today. Title sponsor of the Dubcast since the very beginning, back in August of 2018, Parm Smith and Arsenault Law Firm in downtown Greenville. They want you to know that their office remains open and available to serve you during the COVID-19 crisis. They are also offering their clients the ability to meet via telephone or through video conferencing. Whether you have a loved one who has suffered from a car accident, defective product, a neglectful nursing home facility, or medical malpractice issue, Parm Smith and Arsenault's Greenville lawyers can provide the protection and guidance you need. Free consultations, 864-990-4581 or on the web at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. College football season is over, but NFL season is still grilling season. And Jack Oliver's pool, spa, and patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three names in grills. Weber, Traeger, and my favorite, the Big Green Egg. Make the most of your stay-at-home tailgate party with a premium gas charcoal or pellet grill from Jack Oliver's. Their 10,000 square foot showroom offers a huge selection of grills, patio furniture, and hot tubs and saunas. Shop in the store or buy online at Jack Oliver's pool, spa, and patio. 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and jackoliverpools.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing you're business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864 Two six three five zero seven. Okay, to our conversation with Mickey Plyler of WCCP FM, a friend and frequent guest of the Dubcast. Here we go. All right, I am honored to be joined by Mickey Plyler, who is sitting in his car. <laughs> Tell you what, man, it feels weird because I always like come to the studio, but. Um, technology, huh? Oh man, I have to. Oh, I should have prepped you for this. Yeah. Did you see? I actually posted this on the Tiger Illustrated message board yesterday, and I also tweeted it. I was watching or listening to a Tennessee, but basically, I guess the WCCP of Knoxville yesterday morning. I saw that. I saw that. Did you listen to it? I did. <laughs> Um, it's, it's interesting because that's my job, you know, and to hear that and see that, um, yeah, that was, that was fantastic. 
Um, I'm going to splice it into this podcast so the listeners can actually can, can make sure I can make sure they hear it too. Yep, yep. Logging it up. Yep. All right, that's the way. Here's the hell I am with the football state powers. I don't even give a crap. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know how, how far I'm. I'm. I'm in all the games. I'm there. I'm ready. But here's the deal. Why? Why do I care to invest my emotional print in the Tennessee football? Is Apple going to be good? Maybe. I, you know what? I'll support him in the sense I'll watch the games. Am I still going to go to everyone? Well, I don't know what Corona looks like and how everybody's going to... But, but uh, emotionally, I'm just... Well, let's just give him a chance. Who gives a crap? Let's go where I am. You know, uh, it's frustrating. You like to think that you can get your egos out of the way and go hire some of these big-name guys. To tell you the truth, who knows if they even was interested, if they'd even come. At this point, I'm just... I feel like somebody needs to inject me with some more testosterone. The wife is saying I'm getting on the low T scale anyway. And so I just need something more than this ain't going to do it. But why not just give the guy a chance? Maybe I can get it up. I don't know. But that's kind of where I stand, boys. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. She so that's technology, too. Um, you didn't have all this technology until you had all the game stop. Stop, so... <laughs> It paid off for you, huh, Mickey? I'm I am uh, I'm in a Zen-like state regarding all major issues. So don't, if you ask me, I don't I probably won't even know. So I know something's going on with the stocks, but I, I can't I can't talk about it. I can't it's, converse about. It. All right, let me just say it right quick. When it's all said and done, look at it. It's one of the most fascinating things to happen to our country financially, and the little man might win. It might you know who knows? By the time people listen to the podcast, it's going to be over basically. I think, but. Wall Street could be taken down by the little man, at least for once. So anyway, it's really cool, fascinating. It's going to make a great movie. Have you seen the movie, um, The Big Short? No, but I've, I have the book. It's, uh, did you, have you read the book? No. Okay, well, you have the book. Read it because, I mean, it's really one of the most fascinating things. And I mean, it's, this people have turned this into a lot of other things, too, politically speaking and things like that. But that's, there's a lot of people who pay some mortgages here and a lot of people who are going to lose their behind. So this is interesting for me to find out all this stuff. Anyway... Um, I just miss being over there, buddy, because I always love seeing your 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 stuff. Yeah. So, so the guy, the guy in Knoxville, it reminded me of. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate one of your lovely callers, but the guy Snaphook, is that the one who always yells? Which one? Which one yells? Um. Well, there's one from Greenville, maybe, who yells. Um, Dave from Simpsonville gets Dave, very excited. Dave from Simpsonville, yes. <laughs> yes, he gets very excited. That's who, so it reminded me of Dave from Simpsonville times 10. Yeah, um, passionate, passionate. Um, they are, you know what, I, like to me, I never want to speak down to... Um, my clientele, my you know my people, my you know, my constituents. Um, so I can't make too much fun of him. But Dave from Simpsonville is a guy I've known forever, and Dave Dave is a very successful businessman, and you almost play like a role, man. You know where you get this. I, threw this <laughs> I had a professor one time. All right, I had this professor, and he was he's like NC State. He's a, you know highly thought of professor, but he would play a role on the show sometimes, and uh, people loved it. So. I can't talk too, down on too much, but I'll tell you this. 
I'm not talking down. I'm not. No, no, not talking. Not talking down. I think it's more like a. It's more of a like a sociological marvel, I guess. I don't know. Well, you know, you're a big fan of the Fine Bomb Show. Uh, Am I? Well, you used to be, maybe. You well, put it this way: I never understood the value of the Fine Bomb Show, especially from a TV standpoint, and I never thought it was a great show outside the guests. But people do love those characters. Yeah. And if, if there's a value in it, too, um, there's a lot of people that care, that have lost interest in a lot of different aspects of life. And thank goodness that you and I have jobs that, I don't know if it's a diminished market, but I can tell you this, a lot of people hadn't lost, hadn't, there's no diminishing in the passion for it, you know? And I, I'll be honest with you, Larry, maybe we talk about it later, I've kind of lost some of it. I think COVID... And I think um, the changes in the, in the college football, uh, you know, with the, with the transfer stuff and, you know, with the um, NIL stuff, I mean, personally, if Clemson wasn't doing as well as they were doing right now, if you're a fan of like Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech, couldn't you see yourself losing more interest? Yeah. And, and uh, <clears throat> what I loved about the playoff and I'm just totally detaching myself. Like if I were in Kansas and a college football fan and watching the playoff, what, what I would have really appreciated the most is it was all business. Like there was no fighting. There was no very little trash talk that I can recall. It was just pure, we're playing football for a trophy and no frills, none of that stuff. I, it After watching... A lot of the, well, I don't know if it was a lot, but, you know, you saw the big fight with Mississippi State and all that, and just a bunch of just shenanigans, and then the transfers and all that stuff. It really makes you appreciate football at the highest level because it's it's it, that's where it's the purest right now. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I think you, I, you and I talked about that off the air one time, and I noticed it, but to me, that's where Saban, Dabo, Day, and Kelly, man, those guys, and they're not alone. I mean, there's a few other ones out there, but that—that's their brand, man, and that is who they. Uh, it's part of the brand, at least. It's not all the brand. It's part of the brand, at least, and, and it goes to show you just the focus of those teams and the focus of those programs, probably through recruiting a little bit too. Um, I think you know it's hard to reverse somebody. You get them after 18 years, and it's who they are. But those people could be more selective, maybe. I always talk about this, like with. Duke basketball or Kentucky basketball or, or Alabama football and now Clemson is is you're recruiting a, an elite athlete, sure, but being an elite athlete's not enough anymore. Like a Christian Wilkins type of elite personality, he's probably elite in the classroom, elite in the weight room, elite personality wise. That these very focused and driven kids um, are different than you know what, what you saw say at Mississippi State, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's fair to say against Mississippi State. You know, Mike Leach probably hadn't had those issues before. He inherited some of that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it does turn some people off. Um, I can certainly see that. What what turns you off? What don't you watch now you might have or you're a fan of, you're not a fan of now, either pre-COVID or because of other things that are going on? So, actually, just last night, I watched an NBA game for the first time in a long time. I, I realized the Clemson game was blacked out. So, I was listening to... I was listening to the Clemson game while watching the Lakers Sixers game. Right. And and the, and the Sixers won, right? 
I didn't watch the end of it. No, I think I think the the Lakers won at the end. Okay. Um, but wow, like I I I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. I've always mm-hmm. believed he was the goat. But I don't know if he would rise higher above everyone else like he was able to then because this is a different game man like I I, I walked away from last night going I need to watch more NBA just because these are huge incredibly athletic guys who are actually playing good basketball in my opinion like a lot of passing actual defense like it made me sort of question like you know, over the years, I don't know how long it's been, but it's like, oh, those guys don't play any defense. They don't care. It's an individual game. Is it really now? Like, it, it really seems like a pretty high level of basketball by any definition. Do, do you agree? Are you watching any of it? Yeah. I, I'm not watching any of it. I'm not watching any of it for a different reason and something that you don't I sh- shouldn't and don't talk about. I won't talk about. But when, you know, the, the whole stance with China and, right. and that kind of thing, that, that's my deal. And so. Um, I wouldn't watch a ton of it to begin with. I don't watch a lot of college basketball. Actually, I think you're right that the NBA, the reasons that maybe others aren't watching it are wrong now because it, it is more team. It is more sharing and passing and more movement. Um, and you have to do that to survive in that league. I've always thought that in my lifetime, at least, that the NBA players are the greatest athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would put to that hockey players, NHL guys, because they're doing these unbelievable – if you've watched a hockey game, if you haven't, watch one because – these guys are doing these unbelievable things and they're doing it on really thin skates <laughs> going, yeah. going 50, 40 miles an hour, you know I mean? It's unbelievable. And, and pucks over a hundred miles an hour in these. So to me, I, I appreciate that. I'll tell you my, my little niece is coming to Clemson to play golf. And uh, when I, I, I see her in some of these tournaments and she's like a, a, a national player and plays against international players in some of these tournaments. And you even see it at that level in that sport at that level, the difference in elite and non-elite and um, a local tournament compared to something like this. So my point is that once you make it to that level, um, I, I'm in the golf and I sit at golf, but I'm sure this is happening in badminton. It's happening in table tennis. It's happening in cricket that it's amazing through technology and through competition and through development that these are some just elite athletes doing unbelievable athletic feats right now. Yeah. And, and uh, I guess back to your the original question you asked me about middle-of-the-road football teams, how hard is it to be a fan of those schools when the rosters are <laughs> – half the rosters changing over? Um, I think it was Mark Schleyball who was on West Durham, uh, the West Durham and Packer so a couple of weeks ago amid the exodus of South Carolina players to Florida State and elsewhere and then portal madness and he's like hey this is what everybody asked for right so you gotta live with it and I was never like totally beating the drum on total player empowerment and all that I was more in the middle but it's impossible for the average fan to look at it now and not be a little concerned well, I 100% agree. And when you call me to be on this podcast, it's one of the things I thought we would talk about. And we, we don't have to if you don't want. But I will tell you this. It relates here because I was talking to a college football officer. Actually, I only talked to two college coaches about this in the last maybe three weeks. Um, 
I, I hypothesize on my show about what it's going to look like, and sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. And and on the NLI stuff, I have some some theories about what it's going to look like, and I'm hoping I'm wrong about that. But I was talking to a college football coach on Saturday, and he was saying – I made the point about Pete Thamel, who tweeted out a few weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it. It said that you'll see more college coaches go to the NFL now because of NIL and because of transfer portal. Yeah. And I asked him about that, and he says, why would you – stay if you have an opportunity to jump he says because in the old days you'd stay for stability stay because it, you know it's a better job in many ways and now that's being taken away from you. you've got to do the pro model anyway why not go to the pro game and get paid on a different level and get paid on different pension level and things like this and he said his example that he used was the linebacker at tennessee uh henry 2020 however you say his name here's a guy that they recruited two years ago and he's from California, and they flew out there and they signed him two years ago, and then they put him in the weight room and developed him, and they put him in a nutrition plan and got him in better shape, and they put him in their film room and they got him understanding the defenses, and they developed him academically, and and, and who knows that socially, spiritually, whatever else, and they've invested two or three years and all this money into him, and now they've got to go. The staff get went on, on a plane and gas it up. They got to tell their athletic director, "Hey, yo, we're gonna take this twenty-five thousand dollar flight." He said forty thousand. I'm like, I don't know if it's forty, but you take this thirty thousand dollar flight to California to go recruit one of the kids that's already on our team because other teams out there are already recruiting him right now. And he's not even in the transfer portal. And so, I, you know, that, that's crazy. Um, and I'm telling you, I think Clemson is going to be active in the transfer portal down the road in certain years. So Clemson fans can get used to that, I think. Um, I think Dabo wants to build a, a really interesting model of how that's going to work. And we talk about that if you'd like. But but Larry, you got to recruit your own players every single day, and that means, um, hey, uh, I know you didn't catch, but two balls this week. Maybe next week we can get you four going into the transfer portal this week. You know that means I know you played twenty snaps, but I know you like to play forty. So man, I, I promise you, we won't try to get you some more snaps this week. So please don't enter the transfer portal. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just. But it also means if. If your culture is right, if you're selective in recruiting on the front end, then your programs like Clemson are strong enough to withstand a lot of that, and thereby you separate yourself even more. Exactly. That's a great point. But like you, the point we made about Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Clemson, and there's probably more. I mean, I'm sure there's more. Those four came to mind because of the playoffs this year. But how many first of all those are competing for the same kids if you notice uh, i asked paul i had paul shrilo on my show this morning and i said who's clemson's biggest recruiting rival now and he said probably georgia followed by ohio state and so these guys are going after the same players (laughs) and and as a result getting a lot of the players and as a result they're pulling away athletically but also pulling away i mean if you've got two guys that are fairly equal in talent you're going to go with a higher character kid or a, or a better home or a better foundation, more mature, whatever you might, you know, might judge these on. I'm not sure why. I'm not trying to make a blanket statement about these kids. But, but now, so that's going to lead to what percentage of teams can't afford to do that because that pool is so much smaller. So that's going to mean we're going to see a widening difference, right? Yeah. But I'll ask you this. Has the gap between Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and and I use those three, 
whoever you want to put in there for four, five, six maybe. But the gap between them and number 12 and 13, is that widening right now or is it narrowing? I think it's widening. And you saw blowouts in the semifinals this year. Now, part of that is seniors. Part of that is, um, you know, the way the games play, matchups, all that stuff. But, I mean, that, that gap is widening. And, and it, yeah, that, and it was widening before for, before now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I told you this or not. I think we might have talked about this before. We talked about this on the air before, but Josh Williams, who I have on my show on Fridays, we, we had this conversation off air, but for your listeners of the podcast, Josh Williams comes to my show on Friday. He's a brilliant guy, man. He, he, he knows more about sports than anybody I know. And in November of this past year, he told me that Clemson's not going to win the national championship this year. And I was like, you know, this is before they beat Notre Dame in, in the ACC championship. This is probably two weeks before that. And I said, why would you say that? He goes, look at the lines of scrimmage for the top six. And at the time, the top six we were talking about was the four teams that made it and A&M in Florida. Because those are teams that were kind of in the mix. Before This is before Florida got beat by LSU. Mm-hmm. And he goes, look at the, the depth chart. Look at the offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage. And it was all five of the six teams – had very experienced offensive and defensive lines. Notre Dame had four starting offensive line or seniors. Um, you know, Alabama has, has two or three. Ohio State has three or four. Or, or guys that were juniors that were going pro. And as a result, he said Clemson's not going to be able to beat the line of scrimmage with Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Georgia. And, and this is before they beat Ohio State the second time. You know, beat them in, in Charlotte. Which, that still amazing. That game looks so much different. Looked different than it did in in, Char- in, in, in South Bend. But anyway, um, to beat Ohio State and then to go beat Alabama, you know, that would have been that would been terribly difficult because of that. But on the other side of it, next year Clemson returns all those guys. And, you know, maybe maybe you look at an Alabama, a little a slight rebuild. Uh, and a rebuild meaning 11-1 still going to playoffs, but maybe not elite. Maybe. Who knows? But I thought it was a great point that he made in, uh, in hindsight looking back. I didn't want to hear that, but, but he was right about that. But the the day after Charlotte, you're probably thinking, yes. "Oh, okay, Josh might not have known what he was talking about." Because you, well, uh, after you watch them overwhelm Notre Dame on the lines of scrimmage, you're like, "Okay, they, well, they'll be able to hold up against Ohio State, right?" I thought Ohio State. I didn't think Alabama. I thought Clemson would beat Ohio State and then lose to Alabama. And I thought that Clemson would beat Ohio State. I had to convince myself it was going to be seven to maybe ten points. But I thought that Alabama had the opportunity to beat Clemson by double digits, and I wasn't thinking you know, 28 or anything like that. But I was thinking Clemson wasn't going to stay within two touchdowns of Alabama. Um, now, obviously Ohio State changed things. And, and the Ohio State team was different than they, when they faced Alabama. Were you more surprised by what you saw out of Ohio State against Clemson or more surprised by what you saw against Ohio State against Alabama? Clemson. Yeah. Because nobody saw that in the regular season. No. And, I mean, I, I full disclosure, I thought Clemson was going to win by – Double digits. Um, I mean, the, the confidence that I detected out of that football office, along with watching Ohio State myself, and along with talking to a Big Ten coach who thought Clemson was going to thrash him. I mean, in hindsight, I don't know if we talked about this off the air either, but I think I might have mentioned, you know, Clemson in 16 was sort of farted around during the regular season and they just wanted to get back out you know get back at Alabama maybe some of that applied with Ohio State I think I think it's reasonable to say that that once they saw Clemson on the other side of the field it was a different story 
Um, yeah, you know, with Ohio State, I went back because I thought Ohio State was the best team in the country in in March and April, and obviously, you know, they didn't they didn't play till late, and these things happened. And then when they got on the field, they didn't look like you. You told me, and I talked to one other guy that talked to other assistants out there that, in the Big Ten that were like, "It's a shot. Like, what's wrong with Ohio State?" But one of the games that reminded you of that Alabama game in the, in the Sugar Bowl where, you know, everybody was convinced that Clemson was going to beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's weird how it works out. Um, you know, maybe we should have seen it coming the other way. But there was nothing in, the, in this season that pointed to that. And I think they – now, again, they had injuries against Alabama. But I, I'm still a little bit – maybe we should have seen it. Maybe, maybe you can turn it off and turn it on like that. I don't know. Tommy West always said uh, when people were, were, were making noise about Billy Lucky starting, he goes, I never saw a, a guy that was a practice player. You know, if you practice well, you play well. If you don't practice well, you don't play well. Well, how many times do we see teams, you know, not play great at least once or twice? I mean, Ohio State, what was their best? What did they look best at this year? What game? Besides, you know, going into the playoffs. Uh, maybe Nebraska, uh, Penn State? No, not Penn State because they let them back in it. Uh, yep. Nebraska maybe? And that was the first game of the year. Nebraska wasn't very good, and that game was close to halftime. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the thing there is like, yeah, on paper, Wyatt Davis is great, and Sean Wade is great, and Justin Fields is great, and you're thinking that Teague and Sermon, and nobody knew what Sermon would do then, I don't think. But, you know, these teams, uh, you know, Alave and, and Garrett Wilson, man, these are great players. No one thought their tight ends would do that by any stretch. But if you watch their games and you watch your tape this season, you're like, I don't know, man, they don't look the same. And, and that happens probably more – I know it happens more than a team being able to turn turn the switch on. Yeah. So so you're saying uh, the 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 quote unquote Rose Bowl Rose Bowl was that afternoon. So you're saying like in the third quarter or fourth quarter when Alabama, you know, had sort of sealed it. You still thought at that point before we saw the Sugar Bowl, you you thought they'd beat Clemson by by two touchdowns. Yes. Okay. And part of that goes to, um, I mean, I, the respect you have for that offensive line, and then your poison that you have to pick. I mean, what what poison do you pick? Because Harris was playing at a really really high level. That's one of the things lost in the season is Najee Harris really really improved. Yeah, and he stepped his game up. And obviously what Devonta Smith was able to do was really, really amazing for the year. And then, you know, now, now Waddle wasn't a factor in the championship game. But that offensive line, I mean, Mac Jones wasn't touched all year long. And the other thing that happened is that I thought Alabama, much like LSU last year, Alabama's defense got better as the season went on. Um, Alabama's defense, the Florida game, they didn't look very good. Besides that, though, their defense, didn't you think their defense got better? You watch Alabama a lot. Didn't they, you think their defense they, got better? Yeah, but again, if we go back in time to before the Sugar Bowl and after the the quote-unquote Rose Bowl, I'm still thinking uh, the, the, the SEC championship is still in the back of my mind as I'm, as, yes. I'm, as I'm thinking about the matchup with Clemson. I'm like, man, they Notre Dame's offense is not equipped. They don't have the speed to hang with, with – with Alabama, Clemson does. Florida did, you know. And so I was sort of—I mean, obviously I was wrong, 
I wasn't thinking Clemson would, would win against Alabama, but hey, man, they would they can give that defense trouble. But yeah. uh, but uh, you know the offensive line. Um, I, I don't know. I the, the offensive line, Clemson's offensive line, normally. You know, there have been several seasons, 2016, 2018, two pretty good seasons, national championship seasons, yeah. when Clemson's offensive line wasn't like great shakes, and you're like, okay, but it doesn't really matter. Right. But man, it matters now when you when you when you uh, when you put them beside Alabama's offensive line and Ohio State's offensive line. It, it does, um, and moving forward. It really matters. But I will tell you this. Instead of talking about what we're wrong about, can we talk about what we're right about? <laughs> what? Because in – in um, well, go, we're, we're a little bit wrong two years ago. You and I, we talked about how Clemson, Alabama, this is going to be like Star Wars. You're going to play eight or ten. I don't know how many Star Wars movies there are, but eight or ten of those. Uh, and we're still probably going to get that. But, you know, when, when LSU kind of proved to us last year that, that some teams are going to rise up in there, one of the things that, that uh, I think we were right about, they, they remember after not after getting crushed by Clemson in Santa Clara and then the next year not making the playoffs, there are a lot of people that were throwing dirt on Alabama mm-hmm. and throwing on the, on the grave. And the point that I made many times was, man, you guys are crazy. This, this, you're going to see this. And Clemson's going to have a year where they don't make the playoffs. And Ohio State obviously didn't make the playoffs in a couple of these years too, and Alabama might have one. You know, I think Alabama next year. You know, there's some issues offensively, and if A and M is good as they think they are at certain places, Alabama has to go to A and M. They have got a Florida. Florida's going to have some issues in there. Um, they'll beat Miami in game one, I think. But I mean, the point is that there's going to be years in there where Alabama's not going to make it every year. And if you have injuries, or if you have, you know, a leadership issue here or there, um, a transfer here or there. That might, but you go ahead and mark it down now, man. The next 10 years, there'll be some others that come in there, but you can mark down Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, eventually Georgia, um, maybe Oklahoma. I think it's going to be Anderson. Oklahoma. You do? They're getting physically tougher. They are. They're recruiting. I mean, he is a buzzsaw recruiter now. You remember this about Lincoln Riley that – on those years, I know I know one, and I'm thinking two, but I know one, that the day of the college football playoff announcement, the day after they win the Big 12, um, that they have all the coaches on there with team and everything, and they get Lincoln Riley before he's on a plane to Dallas to go recruit. And he's the youngest of these guys, you know, and his young recruiting is a young man's game, but he's a relentless recruiter too now. And... Yeah, I can see it being Oklahoma. How about this? Let me ask you this. Where do you put value? We just went through the Tennessee coaching search. And one of the arguments against Tony Elliott there was head coaching experience to lead them out of this, I mean, this huge hole they're in. And I get that. Um, Where are you considering Lincoln Riley, uh, Dabo, Day were not head coaches before? Where are you in identifying, or how important is you that a guy you want to hire somebody with, with head coaching experience in the past? I mean, it has to matter less, right? I think it's probably more dependent on your situation, though. But I think so. Now, I'll say, you know, I think Tennessee and South Carolina are, are interesting. Um, I, I, I've said this last week. This is before 
Pruitt got canned, but I was talking to somebody about the South Carolina situation, and I suspect that one of the following coaches is going to end up tormenting South Carolina fans for, you know, why, why didn't, you know, why didn't we hire this guy? Um, number one, Hugh Freeze. Number two, Chadwell. Number three, um, Will Healy at Charlotte. At least one of those guys is going to go on to do big things. I feel confident in saying that. At least. So, anyway, with that said, the Beamer, you know, South Carolina's decision uh, obviously differed from Tennessee's um, because had you, you know, Tennessee – well, then again, I, I, I kind of sound stupid because that assumes that I mean, maybe – I mean, they did want Tony Elliott. Yeah. So, I mean, they ended up with, with, with a, quote-unquote, established or sitting head coach, but I don't think that's who their first or second or third or fourth choice was. That's how they spent it. Let me say this about those three candidates, though, on the other side. Chadwell, I don't know well. I know some people who know him well. He's done a great job, and I think it will be – you know, I thought he might have been a Tennessee candidate more than he was. Uh, who knows where he's still at? Because he's from East Tennessee, as we know. You know, you get a little bit of that uh, rumors about him living in the gray a little bit recruiting. Um, I, I just don't see how in the world Hugh Freeze. I mean, let me remind you, they didn't even he didn't even get fired for <laughs> for blatantly paying players. Yeah. I mean, Barney Fair, who I've known for years, uh, blatantly paying players. We, we had a guy call my show, and, I, and I, I heard this otherwise, and I wouldn't repeat it on the air again, but I talk about it often. A high school coach from Georgia called my show and said, Mickey, well, I had a guy that was being recruited by Ole Miss, and what they're doing is there's, there's a, a little store down there, like their you know, like they're, they're Clemson stores you have around here, and he said they were you go in there, and they give you these bags full of Ole Miss T-shirts and sweatshirts. And, pe- and I'm thinking to myself, you know, man, that probably happens all over, all over the place. He goes, but the, but the issue is that they give you those on a Saturday when you walk in, and then on Sunday you return them for for the cash. Oh, <laughs> it's like so the guy was. I'm sure I'm sure Hugh Freeze didn't know anything about that. Oh, but then remember, he lied about the yeah. the state of God it was escort and, and lied about not knowing that and so they, they did the investigation you had to think about man if they didn't fire him for that what did they fire him for and then there's those rumors about Slav not wanting him back in the league and, and I'm not sure what the commissioner can say about that but my, my point is I don't know um, how desperate do you have to be yeah. to hire Hugh Freeze I mean how important is winning to you to say yeah I know the guy's calling escort services on our phone I know the guy's blatantly cheating he told people at Arkansas State when he was at Arkansas State told told I mean he got out that he told Ole Miss Boosters if y'all want to get this thing done and do it the way you know you got to do it then we can, I'll come down and we can win I mean he told people beforehand he's going to cheat <laughs> you know my favorite, yeah. one of my favorite stories there was a there was a guy Clemson was recruiting years ago a big, huge offensive lineman down in, in South Georgia. Um, he used to call me all the time about recruiting. He was a, a great kid and a great player and a, and a USA Today All-American. He ended up going to Georgia. He goes, but but he told me, he said, he'd be shocked about what coaches leave at my house. And what are you talking about? He said, I've got like a little guy. And this is a big offensive lineman recruit, right? He goes, like tonight, I had a little guy come in and it's 65 degrees outside. And he's got this big, huge jacket and, and from school A, whatever it was. <laughs> 
and it's a double X or triple X jacket. And, and he, it would look, he looked stupid when he got in there. And then he would take it off and leave it on purpose. And I call his cell phone when he left. He's like, Coach, you left the jacket here. He goes, oh, I'll get that some other time, buddy. I'll get that some other time. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, man. You don't wear a size triple X, you know? Well, so that, well, that kind of stuff happened back then. But he, he wasn't trading it back in for money. Well, in the age of NLI and all this, how do you define cheating? Oh, it's crazy. I mean, so, like, all that's about to, a lot of that's about to go out the window. Can right? I throw a, a hypothetical out to you, and you tell me if you think I'm crazy? Because people aren't jumping on this yet. And, and again, I hope, I pray that I'm wrong. But... Can you not see, I always say Ohio State for this example, can you not see a, a car dealer or someone businessman who's a huge Ohio State fan opening up a place called Five Star Motors and saying, if you're a five-star high school player, if you come to Ohio State, I'm going to pay you 50 grand a year to advertise my cars. Ohio State people know about it. They're going to buy cars from the guy because, hey, man, we're good because this guy's supporting the program. Let's go support him. Why would uh, – and, and I'm going to make 50 grand – can you see that these some of these crazy we already knew it when they weren't making money they're just giving them straight cash for nothing in return now you're going to advertise for me can yeah. you see that being getting into that that's that's the world we want to live in am i am i wrong in thinking that's going to happen i don't think you are i mean you could have an instance of i'm just purely throwing this out hypothetically because it's the first name that comes to my mind like because he's a california guy you know joseph Ingata. sorry dad but i'm going to go to southern cal because they can pay me Two hundred thousand dollars for this, for this uh, advertising arrangement at a, at a at a Lexus dealership, you know, something like that. So, Larry, not so not only that, but that's yeah, that's that's Ingata telling him that after his sophomore season. Right. So if, if we're not going to have the transfer penalty, I, to me, the transfer penalty is as big as it gets, because we're not if we're going to free go from whatever school to whatever school you want to go to. You're going to have a situation to where a wide receiver coach is going to tell. Uh, from school A, hey man, what what'd you make at NLI last year? Well, I made twenty thousand. Well, man, our guys, our guys made forty. Why are you going to stay there? You can come down here, no penalty, no sit out, and you can make forty here. Why would you stay? Yeah. Well, that's, it's going to be an open market and only based upon money, not based upon the coach, the offensive scheme, the defensive scheme, the depth chart, the the major. Uh, where I stand in school, if I like my assistant coach, I like my coordinators, I like my social, I got a good girlfriend here, we got a great um, support system here spiritually, none of that. And, and 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 what we're talking about here is let's remind ourselves, these are human beings, these are young human beings. Yeah. <laughs> Which is going to be more sneakers, more cars, more jewelry, more clothes. Of course they're going to go. But that's that's what we want. Like, that's the model. We want that to happen. That's what we're going to sign up for. Not not see because I get this sometimes on my show. Hey, uh, well, you know it's already happened. Boosters are, are paying kids. You're never going to stop that, by the way. But we're not signing up for that. We're not saying that's okay. What we're saying in this new case is, yeah, let's sign up for that. That's what we want in college athletics. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, 
commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to Uptown Realty SC. Harris Flooring has been a major part of the facilities enhancements over at Clemson, not just with athletics, but also at the university level. And we are thrilled that they are a part of the Dubcast as a sponsor. Since 1947, the Junkins family and Harris Flooring have provided a unique shopping experience through value in their services, developing the right product solutions, and delivering on their promises. To check out some reviews on their work, just go to their Facebook page, Harris Flooring America. Rave reviews, just first class all the way. Phone number 864-642-6183. What, uh, somebody, it was pointed out to me a couple weeks ago, and I actually wrote about it, I guess a few days ago, if... If the liberalized transfer rules were in place in 2007, when Spiller is trying to decide whether he wants to go back home and play for Urban Meyer and with Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin, he's gone. Yep. Because because the you know as he's going back and forth as Dabo's trying to convince him to stay. The fact that he had to sit, he would had would have had to sit out a year was a big deal. Yep, a big part of not the only part, of course, of him staying, but certainly a significant factor. If you told him he could go right away, his butt would have been gone. And then what happens? What happens to Clemson after that? Uh, what happens to CJ Spiller? Is he the running back coach of Florida right now? Yeah. You know, is he is he on their board of visitors or, or their their Gator board? Gator Club board and all that, and is he, you know, before he's going to be assistant coach, there was, CJ talked about maybe being on the board of trustees one day. That was like a plan. Man, that's great. I love that. That's a, You know, but all that changes. I, I don't know, man. It's dangerous. I don't want to. In theory, here's a great example. In theory, you should own your name. You should own your image. You should own your likeness. You should. Unfortunately, at that age, where they are in their careers, the, the unintended consequences of it lead to the demise and if it wasn't the case i've talked about this many times now if it wasn't the case and if they knew it wasn't going to be such a a disaster then you wouldn't see what you're seeing in washington right now what i mean by that is athletic directors have traveled to washington dc to meet with their their state representatives or congressmen and congress ladies to to hopefully let them step in and reverse the laws that are currently on books at states like florida and california because if not, they know the athletic directors know that this model is not sustainable, and it won't. It won't. You know, it's going to ruin what we have. Um, the other thing we've argued, argued about on my show the last couple of days has been, you know, this idea we're going to, you know, pay players more, pay players more. But then you look at it, and there's a lot of money out there, but they're spending a lot of money too. I make this case that Clemson and the the, the COVID numbers are going to be weird and different. But the last COVID year, the eighteen nineteen year. Clemson made $135 million in athletic department. And that's great. But they spent $132 million. <laughs> and, and most of that money spent is on the player experience, the student athlete is for the experience to be to be better, right? Coaches, you know, uh, weight room, strength conditioning, uh, mental coaches, physical uh, insurance, health, dental, eye, dorms, gear, training. I mean, you know, all that. 
big football facility, all that's been on no experience better. So, well, in, in in fairness, a ton of it has been on the has spent on the coaches too. It, but aren't the coaches part of their experience? Sure, sure, but but the 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 astronomical salaries that 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 they're getting paid now compared to you know ten years ago that's a reflection of the that's l- less a reflection of how instrumental they are to the players and more a reflection of just the explosion of of revenues like agreed and, and I had the, a guy I, I've had these two um conversations recently with friends uh and well, one of them was on the air and one said, well, how about Ben Bower he didn't make a whole lot in the NFL but Ben Bower I, I think I'm, I know you had him on thing he's got a couple of gyms now mm-hmm. and I've got to think that his name image and likeness while he was here has enhanced it back in Anderson now he was a big time before that but a national championship linebacker now and his his experience to conditioning and, and the development he had here as a man I've got to think that paid off for him and hopefully he's doing great I hope he's killing it and then helping people over there um so I, I think he benefited from that the other one a buddy of mine brings up Sammy Watkins about what he did for Clemson and he did I mean that freshman season he did but let's also remind ourselves that Sammy Watkins has signed $62.4 million worth of salaries in his career. <laughs> he didn't. Well, it bothers me that we think that when we're using these kids and the kids aren't getting anything out of it. No. That's, that's, a, that's a narrative that's out there. I'm like, wait a minute, man. No. So they're getting an awful lot out of it. The, the part, and I think we've talked about this, the, 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 probably the best example to me would be the Taj Boyd, who, who was a super celebrity in college, who, you know, high, high-level college player, who for whatever reason – didn't work out in the NFL and man, it'd be awfully cool for him to have as he's going through that very difficult transition when it's over, you know, for a 24 year old, whatever, like, man, that's hard. Like having to totally change your identity. Um, it'd be cool if he had like a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, like from the, 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 and, and Dabo has actually said, and I, I, I buy into this, um, that he'd be in support of that if it's tied to graduation. I am for um, that. Uh, Taj is a friend and a great guy. I know you know him well. I know you can say, I want Taj the best for Taj. And Taj is working with two former Clemson football players right now, mm-hmm. uh, in Steve Mudge and, and in and Leighton Cubbage, who are very successful businessmen. And Taj, and Leighton talks about Taj having this sales ability that is through the roof and how he lights up the room. And, and I hope that their their current project that they're on now is doing great. I think it is. And I think future projects, hopefully they will. So my, my way of thinking, and, I'm, and, I'm, and again, hopeful, that this is going to lead to long-term business success because he's so bright and yeah. he's got such a great personality that he's going to make more than a couple hundred thousand dollars based upon him being Taj Boyd with these relationships that he's built through Clemson football. Yeah. Now again, an extra two hundred k, I'm not going to turn it down. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there, there are. He has benefited from that, and there, he's a great example of it. Yeah, he's not sixty-two million, but hopefully that experience that he had and the relationships that he had and. Now he can he can parlay that. I've always look, Larry. I, maybe I'm wrong. I I I, kinda, I was a terrible student, by the way. Uh, never like I, I can't name you five. I can name you three or four classes I liked. But I always thought college was where you go mature a little bit, and then you prepare yourself for your professional life afterwards. Mm-hmm. And you grow as a person, and you you prepare yourself through experiences and through internships. I, I had the great opportunity to work for Bob Bradley, a legend on the Ring of Honor, and for Timber Ray, a Hall of Famer. And meeting the, you know, just countless people that I met through it all. And I've hoped that I've turned that into what I think of the greatest job in the world now. But, but that's all because of the, the 
the 50, 40, 50, 60 hours I was working as a student assistant on top of going to college, but it was preparing me for my life after that. Yeah. Rather than, you know, getting it right now, give me mine now. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm sure the, 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 the problem is I see it right now is buyout madness um, going on, and particularly in the SEC. It's like, Yes. You know, you thought over the summer, a lot of people concluded, okay, nobody's getting fired this year because of the <laughs> because of the pandemic. And then it's like, <laughs> and then once they realized that that the that the SEC was going to be getting what twenty million per school more from the TV deal, like an increase, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. that's a freaking yeah. drop in the bucket. Oh, we can fire this guy in a heartbeat. And it's like, man, you really just the whole amateurism thing. I mean, it kind of. Not I a agree. good look. My goodness. I agree with that. I think you're 100% right about that. Um, but if we'd like, you know, you're attracted to the SEC because of the big stadium and the big uh, dorm and the big football facility and all. So if we want to say, you know what, Texas is making $200 million. Now, Texas is, I think, 223 and they spent like 216 or something. Well, if you want to say Texas only spent 100 and have norms aren't as nice, stadiums aren't as nice, football facility is not as nice and give the money to players. then you know, that's a whole nother argument, mm-hmm. but the money, I think there's this thing that they got all this leftover money and they're not doing anything for the players. Well, almost everything they're doing is for the, the student athletes. Yes. And, and to, because wait, that's not the only reason they're doing it. They're doing it to win. But the way you have to do it is you have to do something for the athlete to entice them to come to your school legally, rather than giving them uh, sweatshirts at an Ole Miss place and letting them turn it in for cash on Sunday. And, <laughs> and you separate yourself. You separate yourself in the eyes of the parents or the recruits when you show them what no you doubt. can do for your for their kids beyond the beyond the field. No, no doubt about that. And hey, is it fair that a, a, a position coach leaves, a coordinator leaves, a guy gets fired? That's not fair at all. But in a way, too, it's creating for life. And I just—I think if we went back to a year penalty for transfers, I think that would slow the NLI train. I think the combination of NLI and no penalty for transfer, to me, yeah. that is setting it up for disaster and setting it up for wild, wild west. And, and I hate to say this because, boy, this sounds as old, get off my lawn as it gets, but my attitude about it um, – it's a good thing Clemson's winning right now, and you and I are benefiting ourselves. Like we, it's hypocritical for us to talk about not benefiting. We've got great jobs. Mm-hmm. Have you know? I've been to your house. You've been to mine. Whatever you know, fairly nice houses, nice cars, nice families, nice food on the table every single night. We're benefiting from it. Um, but I don't feel the same about it in the future. If I've got, I already have one NFL. If I like the NFL, I can watch the NFL. I don't need two NFLs. You know, I, there's a role that the NFL plays in certain sports fans lives you know what, we need two of them yeah you know what doesn't add up to me uh is you know when in the you know player sort of movement i guess to you know uh make money off their names or whatever is like i understand the ben bulware i understand the Taj boy what i don't understand is the is the marginal player who I mean I think it was who was it was Darius Robinson, yes. who years ago sort of sort of leading that charge. Martin Jenkins and nothing against those two guys personally at all. But can you explain to me how under the NLI arrangement how those guys would make anything? 
Yes. Now I can. But back then I couldn't. Now I can. Okay. How? Because in the bigger market, to make sure. Let, let me let me back all the way up. On your website right now, on your message boards, people get all over Dabo about Will Sweeney and about Brent Venable's kids because that 83rd, 84th, and 85th scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. And, man, if we, 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 we could have taken somebody else. Well, if that 83rd, 84th, and 85th scholarship is that valuable, then there is some, there's going to be some value in that. And I got to tell you, at Alabama – they just said, I think I'm right by saying this, but they got 26 commitments for this or signage for this class, and 20 of them are in the in the rivals.com top 250. So, there, are there 20 boosters at Alabama? And the answer is yes, because I, when I flew out to California uh, with a buddy of mine on this private jet to the national championship game, there were 20 Alabama jets at that private airport. So. Are there 20 millionaires out there in Alabama that might own some business or have some say in some business that would say, yeah, man, we're going to kick in an extra 25 grand a year. We'll, we'll, we'll do that for the players, for this guy to get this guy, that guy, that guy. Yeah. At a place like Ohio State. You've been to Ohio State before? I have not. Ohio State. I've never been to Gainer. I've been to Horseshoe a few times. I've been, I've been to Columbus maybe three times. I kind of like it there. It's, it's nice. I can see the appeal to it. That state is crazy about Ohio State football. It's one of the biggest states in the country population-wise. That that Ohio State Booster Club, I mean, it, it's a huge deal. And there's a bunch of money there. And, and you look around, and you see it. And, and so are there are there 40 boosters or 50 boosters that are willing to kick in um, $25,000, dollars $100,000? Yeah, I think there are, especially then, especially when if I can benefit from it too. Because, go back to my example, if if Larry Williams wants to open up well, wide receiver U Motors in Clemson, and I'm going to give every wide receiver at Clemson $50,000 to come advertise. i got 10 wide receivers, right? So I'm going to pay $500,000 a year in advertising for Clemson's wide receivers of Larry Williams, uh, wide receiver University Motors. Well, Clemson fans are going to appreciate Larry Williams because, man, look at our wide receiver core. Larry's a part of this. I'm going to go buy my car from Larry Williams. He loves Clemson. We're, part of the reason we're great right now is because he loves Clemson. So he'd be crazy. Not, I mean, if you had a, 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 an advertising budget, why not cash in on a very loyal market at Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson? Or a bigger market in, in Southern Cal, Austin, Texas, Georgia Tech, Miami, you know? So in your mind, even like the average backup cornerback, He's getting paid for four years regardless just because of when he signs. Under your vision, he's signing basically a contract, an advertising contract to get paid for four years? I, I'm not sure a four-year deal. I'm not sure how that works. Again, I, those are theories and hypotheses. I, I don't know that, but I know this, um, that the reason you're going to the transfer portal right now is because what if – this was presented to me the other day by, by someone in college athletics. Because we were talking about Clemson and what would they do in the transfer portal? Well, what if you have uh, on in your in your secondary? All right, let's say this year, um, Turner doesn't come back, Kendrick goes pro, Lee Anthony Williams wants to transfer closer to home or get out, go to go Georgia Tech, whatever play, get free transfers. And all of a sudden, now instead of having everybody coming back on defense, what if you had had um, you know five or six defensive backs leave? Well, now that that 
third team guy is a second team guy. If the if the transfer portal has has value because you're going out and getting players that you have to go play at some point in time, some sort of role, then isn't that value? I mean, wouldn't the coach say it's valuable for to call up that booster and go, hey man, can you help us out with this guy right here? We I know you got a you got a t-shirt business over there. Can we get him twenty five grand? You know, come do a commercial for your or, or put it on Instagram or that kind of stuff. I think Instagram is going to be big and, and social media big too, not just commercials. But I mean, there is value in that, isn't there? Heck yeah, that open doors thing. I forgot what it yeah, was. In Somebody. order to keep it, yeah. And it, in order to keep the guy, you know, not that he's that great, but hey, hey, you just talked about it. <laughs> Those buyouts with coaches, it's not they're that great, but it's the insurance policy on if they leave, then what the heck do you do? Do you get turned down by everybody in the country, Tennessee? Go back and look at who turned them down last time. The reason that Jeremy Pruitt got the huge buyout was they didn't want to go through the public humiliation again in which it cost them chancellor and the AD's job. Remember all that? Yep. So the, the backup cornerback, well, backup cornerbacks now playing because you got nickel and you got dimes, everybody spreading the field. But I mean, a backup offensive lineman, per se, or something like that, you're one injury away. You know, it, it is a big deal, and, and it might not be on paper. And some people might think, man, you guys are crazy. And we might be. But I know this. Um, There's a great quote in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution years ago about recruiting. It was on Sunday, and it had a big recruiting section. And it was about it was two businessmen that were, were Alabama. They interviewed a big Alabama businessman and a big um, a big uh, Auburn businessman. And I forgot which one said it. I'll use the Alabama guy as an example. He said. When a guy, I follow recruiting because that guy's choosing me and my family and my way of life. And when a guy chooses Alabama, he chooses the Alabama way of life over the Auburn way of life. And I like being able to win and beat Auburn. I like being able to go to my neighbors and my friends down the street and rub their nose in. I fly my flags and I go get my money and we tailgate. and That's my pride in all of that. There's a lot of people who feel that way. Now, he might be 100% wrong. I'm not sure if he's wrong. He might be, his, his values are misplaced, obviously. But there's a lot of people who feel that way. And I don't think you're talking about having to get that much that many people who have that deep of pockets. I met a, a, a jeweler one time, played golf with a, a jeweler one time out of Alabama, and he was a huge guy, great guy, big fan. And, I, I, you know, there's, there's people out there, Larry, you know that. There's, there's fanatics. And they want to see their teams win. Here's a question for you. Part of you says that the big markets – well, let me back all the way up. Notre Dame, Tim Bray tweeted this out. Notre Dame has more CEOs than any other Power Five or, or major football, um, you know, school out there. Well, Notre Dame CEOs and Notre Dame graduates lean on their company and say, "Hey, man, we're going to shift some advertising dollars to some Notre Dame players." I mean, that's a possibility, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Here's my next question, though, because I'm not sure of this. Do they care enough? Currently, one of the big items that we were sold, the bill of goods we were sold and we were wrong about, is that when you go to Pittsburgh and you add Pittsburgh to the league, you add Boston College to the league, you add Miami to the league, man, these major TV markets are going to explode. Well, first time I went to Boston, I realized people in Boston don't care about Boston College football. <laughs> no. They care nothing about it. But we were, we, you were sold that, right? The TV market, yeah. you got to understand, man, it's the TV market. They don't care. But that said... Are, are people in Miami don't care anyway. People in LA are so worried about other stuff. Do you think that the major markets, or name a team in a major market that you think the NLI is going to make a huge difference with? Because I, I think it's the fanatic rather than the market. Like Alabama and Ohio State and Texas and Texas A&M. I've been to Texas A&M twice now. 
they are fanatical and they have money, buddy. Those boosters have money. So that to me, College Station is not a big place. Well, L.A. is, Miami is, Atlanta is, but are they are they passionate about Georgia Tech? It's the same. It's the same discussion that you have when talking about the difference between the SEC and the and the ACC. Like how many how many fans of SEC schools, you know, think three hundred and sixty five days a year about football, about getting better right. at football? Almost all of them. Right. How many in the ACC? Uh, not very many. Yeah. Um. So same same thing. I want to ask you something. You mentioned Instagram and sort of the ability to profit off of for of athletes to profit off of that. Um, you saw the Darian Rencher thing with his girlfriend this week? Yes. Well, I saw of it, and I read of it. I did not watch the video. Okay. So I think I'm getting this right. The girlfriend has a YouTube feed in which she has an advertisement at the beginning of it, I believe, for like a purse or something. You familiar with that? No? I, I, I'm not familiar with that one. There's another Clemson player who, who is okay. involved in that. Though. Okay, well, anyway. So, they break the news that Dabo had COVID. And, I, I mean, nothing against Wrencher or anything. I'm just saying, this is maybe a preview of, of what's to come, not necessarily at Clemson, but just in general. Um, the, the, the bigger the sort of... <laughs> information you have as a player or girlfriend of a player or whatever, the more hits you're going to get, the more money you're going to get. So, I mean, I I am not sitting here saying that the reason they mentioned that Dabo had COVID was so they could, so she could make more money. But I don't think that's outrageous to assume. It reminds me, I think you're right. And it reminds me. That's an uncomfortable situation. It is. But it reminds me of what was told to me by someone very, very smart. I kind of hang up smarter than me, and that's not very hard. <laughs> but someone very smart told me this about social media five years ago, maybe more now, that the model, like the Rivals.com model, is going to be affected by social media because the players, Rivals.com is, is, is I'm not sure what percentage, but it's a lot of percentage of recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the players own their own, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, then they're going to release their information on their own. And so that you think it would do away with it. Now, where the, where the person was wrong about that, and they're right about the player has the power there. The student athlete has the power there. Where they're wrong about that is that means nothing unless you have rankings. So that's where rivals will always, there will be a market for rivals, 247, ESPN, whatever it might be, because for, for, uh, Tommy Williams to say I'm going I've narrowed down to Georgia Clemson and Alabama is one thing but to say where Tommy Williams the number three player in the country number one wide receiver and a five star that's another thing so you guys are protected there but yeah. as far as the information goes I mean y'all's job Paul's job has changed now because the player will release big news tonight I'm going to shock the world I'm going to release my top 15 you know but, <laughs> oh, but, 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 top 15, but, but that's been the case for eight Year, yeah. I mean, but eight, I guess eight, what, I guess what you're saying is now they can monetize it. Well, yeah, because you know, I, I, somebody told me that there's a Clemson player and a girlfriend who do these dance TikToks or whatever, and they've got millions of followers. <laughs> and I still don't understand how that parlays totally 
until you start directly marketing, like a Kardashian will have a, um, you know, a product that they push and they make it. And I, I understand there's bloggers. My wife gets on these uh, fashion blogs or sometimes or, or house blogs or whatever. And, and so I understand that part of it, but you can go on. I, I actually did this for, for, you know, my stuff. What's your Instagram worth? What's your Twitter worth? And it'll tell you what it's worth. So that's where these guys, yeah, you've got to keep people coming to it. So yeah, if I can release some information to get more followers, you're competing for followers. It's almost like, I feel like talking about the difference between like a car dealership and boosters getting involved. I feel so much more comfortable thinking about a world where there's none of that, but it only consists of if Brian Brzee wants to make $20,000 off of posting stuff on Instagram, man, cool. But how do you make it all money off Instagram? Pardon? How does he make that money off Instagram? I mean, YouTube will pay you. Like, like that's that's your like a, you know if you have if you you know if, I, if I'm a famous person and I I mean that's why people do YouTube instructional stuff and things like that. I mean, they yeah, actually, it, I understand know. that. I understand that. But the, it still comes down to this: that there's a product that's being pushed. And so and so you're basically an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in it, there's no doubt you're an influencer. That's the right word. But the point is that YouTube's doing it. Then or somebody somebody's selling that. And when, is there a difference in YouTube giving you that money that they're getting it from the car dealer? You know, they're just, they're just better at selling it. Yeah, I, I'm uh, just saying I, I, it, it just makes me less queasy to to think about, um, you know, a, a situation where you don't have a bunch of a bunch of boosters saying, all right, how much for, you know, to endorse this car dealership or whatever. I don't know. Maybe um, I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong in that, but. It, it still is the same thing. Yeah, there is oh, a product course. that will be pushed, Absolutely. but the difference is that it's pushed through. The YouTube people will sell that ad rather sure. than individuals selling that. Sure, but the, so the, 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 still, the I mean, yeah, the, you're just cutting out. There's no middleman process. Like Brian Brzee can sit in his, you know, he can sit in his living room and just post something and make money off of it right there, as opposed to going to get a check from some car dealer. Yeah, but like, <laughs> for instance, I'll say this: like my my kid. We watch YouTube, and we'll watch Elmo, and he, he's going to turn two next month. We'll watch Elmo. We'll watch Blippy, which drives me crazy. I don't know if you, you probably missed the Blippy stuff. <laughs> I did. Uh, thank goodness. But, you know, we'll, we'll watch, um, you know, the, the Sesame Street things. And right in the middle of it, there'll be an ad about blood pressure medicine. I'm like, wait a minute, man. I mean, that, that's target marketing that maybe the grandmom or the old old dad like me or whatever, we might be thinking about blood pressure, but I'm like, man, that's not direct marketing, but the, the kid's not paying attention to it. Now, you know, in old cartoon days, it would be the, you got to go buy your evil Knievel doll or whatever. So that is direct marketing. But in this case, the person that selects it, put it this way, man, my, my kid could tell you who Jamie Harrison and who Lindsay oh, and Grant man, were. I hate that. Yeah. Because of YouTube. Yeah. Because my kid wanted to watch Elmo. And every single time he'd have to watch Lindsey Graham and, and, and Jamie Harrison. So it's the same thing. In this case, rather than, you know, who's selling it? Well, YouTube's selling it. But yeah. there, it's a product or an idea or, or service. They're pushing that. It's the same thing. It's just a matter of, of and, and here's another thing, too. Like, they know because of the, you know, you talked about me. You talked about the social dilemma. Well, uh, Clemson restaurants come up on mine. Or Clemson, you know, the Lakeside Lodge stuff comes up on mine. I'm like, well, man, you know what? How do they know? That's what I'm interested in. But they do, so it's the same thing. It's just you're cutting out one other person. In it. Yeah, true, very true. Anyway, did you anyway. think? Uh, did you think back to the Knoxville dumpster fire? Did you 
before before it came out that that Elliot was staying, did you think he might be gone? I thought. First of all, I said I don't. I don't know Tony well. I, I've only spoken to him maybe five or ten times ever. I have the utmost respect for him. I know people that he worked with Michelin over there, and they told me before. I remember. I, I know his teammates from Clemson well. And so, and and, I, and some of these coaches that I'm a little closer to just rave about what kind of person he is. Paul this morning on my show raved about the, mm-hmm. the character this guy has. And so, part of that though is Tony doesn't, the way I understand, Tony doesn't talk to a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of these coaches are airing their laundry out there and, hey, get me involved in this job or, or let me tell you what's going on here. Tony doesn't do a whole lot. So, I don't have direct contact with him. But what, just putting two and two together and talking to folks about it. I thought that he would be interested and I thought that they would be interested, but where he stood with them, I would say in most years, yeah, you take that job for sure. And in a lot of years, Tony Elliott would be your guy, but my thing was the timing of it. And does the potential NCA stuff, does the trend to me, the transfer portal stuff for them right now, because man, that's 24, 25 guys. And some of these guys are already signed with, they're trying to get out of, your, out of their national letter of intent. So you're like, man, you're set up for, for instant failure there. And we all love, here's the thing, Larry, we all say, man, look, we're going to be really, really patient with this guy. No, you're not. Arkansas was going to be patient with Chad Morris. They fired him in two years. Florida State was going to be patient with Willie Taggart. They fired him in less than two years. So we can talk about patience all you want to. So my point was, to answer the question, I didn't know what his thoughts on the job exactly were. I knew he had interest in it, but to how much and then I didn't know where he was on theirs what what did you what was your thoughts going in through all uh, my thought was that this this could be the one um, I still I still had pause about their situation um, I, you know honestly I was scared for him <laughs> to go, to go yeah. up there and get chewed up by that machine because yeah. their fans yeah. are I mean not that they're worse than others but it's it's not fun uh, when you when you're when you're in that pressure cooker and not winning. Let me ask you this. What do you think his next move is? I made a statement on show on my show this morning that um, because of his admirable time frame that he is not going to get involved in jobs in regular season. Boy, what a, what a high character that is. You know, what a rarity that is that that's going to eliminate him from a lot of jobs. And I thought it was going to take a, this type of situation for him to get a job in college on the other side of it the NFL and its upper mobility of promoting uh, minorities to uh, uh, coordinator roles and uh, the Rooney rule, you know, about front office coordinator and, and head coaches. Now, again, we only have three black head coaches in the NFL right now. We have five um, minorities as head coaches, but there's, it, it, and I could be wrong, but I think there's, there's a better upper mobility chance for that, for a, a minority in the NFL than there is in college. Yeah, I think. So, yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. So, the, but my point is that the model for the NFL of, and, and when those jobs come open, usually after Clemson's job, I think that that NFL. I was more surprised that he was not interested in those coordinator roles this year in the NFL. Yeah. Because uh, I thought, man, I think that's what he's going to do. But then, well, he's so good at the development of young men, and he's got so much more to sell at the college game than he does the pro game. You I know? think Virginia Tech would be a great fit. If Fuente doesn't work out. A, a buddy of mine mentioned the same thing. And, and, but, and, and two two more quick points on him. And it's a fascinating deal there. But, you know, when you're making one point, what's he making now? 1.3? Yeah. About to get yeah, a bump next afford, week? Yeah. Hey, you, you can be pretty patient on 1.3. You can stretch <laughs> that out over there at Williams' household, huh? <laughs> hey, so uh, 
quickly because I'm going to let you go be with your family and I got to go run an errand to pick up my oldest daughter. But how surreal is it that in the past month, Clemson's two coordinators have turned down two SEC traditional powers? I know. It goes to show you the value that he has here and the type of people that he's hired here and the culture that he has here. I, w- I was talking to, I won't keep makes too long, I was talking to one of his support people last summer. And it's a guy who's who's got other opportunities. And the guy said, man, I could do a lot of other stuff. And he says, but how do I walk away from this right now? There's a lot of people you know, like that. And, and yeah, and, and I can name you, I, I heard that word for word from the guy's mouth. So I'm not going to put, but I've got to imagine that that's, that's over there a lot of the places. And look, we, and, and we're lucky, we live in a great place, a great place to raise a family. Like you said, going to pick your daughter up, the, the schools and the, and the community, the wholesomeness over here. There's value in that. There's value in his culture here. Um, and what's interesting is in their recruiting, and Paul talks about it, Paul can tell you who's going to Georgia, who's going to Clemson right now because there's two different kids. Um, what kind of coaches would be attracted to it? The, the idea that he's, he's bringing these guys up through his own system right now through his own you know the the the, the promotion of a cj Spiller, the promotion of of guys mickey con or lemansky hall through his own system and it is a great model and i want to leave you with this larry i was talking to a couple different people here in the last week about this that now that it is apparent that Dabo under not he, he's always understood it, that now that he understands it uh, or, or has a better grasp of what's going on and how this whole NLI and transfer thing is going to work. Clemson's going to be a a model for the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. How they go about it. You you know how thorough he is. You know what gets me is like when someone complains about it, like man you have no idea like how often these guys meet how thorough they are in every single decision that's made and how 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 they they value every single little minor detail over there. Well, well you can mark it down right now. Uh, that this transfer portal that Danny Pierman is going to be doing and whoever else will be involved in the thing, it will be a model for what it should look like. But but one quick note on, on Tony Elliott stuff. Uh, from yours and other message boards, I'm uh, Easy High School shouldn't be hiring Tony <laughs> Elliott right now. The guy didn't know what he's doing. More or less, five NFL teams want to interview him oh, and other teams want it. Why would you do that? The guy's the idiot. He didn't know what he's doing over there. <laughs> I, I added up, I added up, Mickey, the, in the last three years, the number of SEC schools that Venables and Elliott have said no thanks to. Not necessarily offers, you know. Uh, most of the time, they it's you know say no thanks just to even talking. Seven. Half of the SEC. SEC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. They both, Missouri was interested in both of them last year. And then South Carolina called Elliott or reached out to Elliott um, after Muschamp, hey, and he said, no, thanks. Let me, let me, I want to I be clear about this because I, I've gotten people my show, my text line. It's amazing what, what being anonymous will do to someone's bravery for saying stuff about people. But on the text line, people love, and my phone calls, they love Venables, and they don't give Tony Elliott any credit. And, and let me say it. I think Brent Venables is the single best coordinator I've ever seen in college. Here at Clemson, I know, I've been close to, and one of the best to ever coordinate either side of the ball in college football. I, I say that Tony Elliott is the smartest football coach I've ever been around. That mechanical, that, that mind, that engineering mind, how he diagnoses games. And you go back and look at the, the adjustments that he does is amazing. But for these people that want to give Venables all the credit, which he deserves, or and then talk about Elliot. One of the things to say was well, he has generational talent. I'm like, well, 
man, Venables had Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence and Cleveland Farrell and, and I mean, some unbelievable first round draft picks too. And on the other side of it, go back and look at the eight, is it eight losses now? Um, that since Tony's been calling plays, might be less. Uh, six. Six. Yeah, 80 he, and six. Yeah, because he wasn't, he wasn't in the booth in the Super Bowl. All right, go back and, and can you remember the scores? Because I think in four of those games that they scored uh, 35, 40 yeah. points. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pittsburgh game, they scored 42. The Alabama game, the first loss, they scored 40. Yep. Um, the. Help me out here. It's the a Sugar, Sugar Bowl, Bowl. They also scored six. Right, right. But that's the one you can pin on the offense. Besides that, a lot of those, man, that guy's scoring 35 and 40 and 42, 43 points. And the losses, you can pin on what side of the ball. Again, I, I think Brent Venables is the best coordinator I've ever been around. I don't want to take away from that. But you, if you're going to give Venables credit, you got to give Tony Elliott credit too. And the other thing I say about it on the offensive side is every major single game season and career records individually and team have been broken with Tony Elliott as offensive coordinator. Yeah, I every, think, thing, yeah. every passing, rushing, receiving, uh, total points per game, total yards per game, total yards of the season, total points of the season. Uh, every offensive record has been shattered by Tony Elliott, and he's breaking his own records, and his players are breaking their own their own players' records from Tony Elliott area. Clemson. I definitely think they have some a little bit of sprucing up to do, just given what Alabama did, how they were able to isolate their stars and move them around. Yes. And, um, yes. But, I, th- I think it's fair to say that, you know, to say I mean, that's what they at, do every every offseason, you know. At the same time, though, Alabama, in almost every game they play, they don't have to run that motion and that window dressing because that offensive line is so good. That, oh, the, the stuff they did with, with Smith is awesome. It's amazing. All that motion, all that window dressing, they do an amazing job with that. A lot of that is pre-snap reads of showing Jones where, you know, pressure's coming from or what the, what, the, what the coverage is. But Alabama's good enough offensive line-wise that they don't have to do that stuff. That's Sarkeesian adding value to Sarkeesian. Yeah, that's right. That's not saving, adding value to saving because they're going to win the football game. Now, whether they win it pretty or ugly, yeah, whatever. But but Alabama's going to be better than you because of that offense line. Not The story of the national championship game was not Alabama's window dressing. The story of the national championship game is Alabama's offense line to me. I don't know, man, because Ohio State knows number six is getting the ball, but they can't do anything about it like that. No, but the the, the reason you ran that the orbit and all that is so you don't – he's so skinny and he's so frail that you, you're saying everybody – here's what everybody says. You know he's going to get it, just bump him at the line of scrimmage. Well, he's in motion and he's on orbit motion. You're going to bump that line yeah. of scrimmage. So that's not – to me, that's just getting him free. That's not – but the other thing is, too, is that – in, in short weeks, and Saban does this too. We look the stat up. Saban in semifinal games can shut you down. In the national championship games, we had more time to prepare the old BCS games, uh, and then and the semifinals. Boy, he does his defense looks better than the championship games on short weeks. So going from Clemson's offense to to Alabama's offense for young defensive backs, you're dealing with COVID. You're dealing with uh, travel and a short you know short rest and short weeks, and then getting ready for that. That does have value in that. I will give you that, no doubt. No doubt there's value in that. But, you know, you run, Alabama could run the wishbone, buddy. Yeah. With that offensive line. <laughs> Great point. Great point. Hey, man. 
I got to run. This hour has flown by, man. I I really appreciate it. Really enjoy it. I always enjoy the great work. You, Paul, Chris, y'all are awesome. I'm a big, I'm a subscriber. I pay. And if you're not, thank you. Hey, if if you're not, don't share passwords. Everybody get your own (laughs) (laughs) subscription. Thank you, pal. Really appreciate the kind words, man. I enjoyed it, buddy. All right. Thanks to Mickey Plyler. Appreciate him interrupting his fatherhood and husbandhood to take some time to rejoin us. I should probably also say his golf pursuits. Anyway, thanks to our very generous and loyal sponsors for supporting the podcast. And most of all, thanks to all of you for listening. Everybody have a great weekend. Be safe. Cheers.